1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition. Over 125 years ago, the Columbian Exposition was staged in Chicago on Lake Michigan's shoreline. Visitors from around the country and world were first introduced to many industrial technologies and commercial offerings that would shape 20th century culture. This book explores a collection of event photographs and juxtaposes them against a set of modern images to catalog the living remnants in art and architecture around the city as a legacy to the 1893 World's Fair. 1893, Chicago's Columbian Exposition, now available from Amazon. Audiobook version available soon. Hello, today we have Jack Liu with us. He is a BSV entrepreneur and the CEO of RelayX. Do you want to say hello to everybody? Hey, everyone. Hey, Michael. Thanks for joining us today. Will you talk a little bit about your background in technology and business and, uh, you know, how you've kind of gotten to the point where you are right now? Yeah, I came across Bitcoin, the white paper, in 2013 summer. And um, after an initial bit of fascination and kind of a hobby bloggist, I spent most of my career um, around exchanges in the Bitcoin ecosystem. So first, for a very brief uh, two-month stint at Kraken in San Francisco. And then uh, followed by three years at OKCoin, where I served as a chief strategy officer and guided the company through uh, a further expansion of the OKCoin International Exchange um, and also later on the OKEX uh, crypto to crypto trading exchange. And then further um, worked at Circle, which acquired Poloniex and ran the Circle's Asia OTC desk uh, for the better part of 2018 and 2019. Um, as a investor and also builder of things in Bitcoin, I've always been a believer in the original Bitcoin vision. So that's taken me from BTC to BCH to BSV. And the last year or so, uh, I stepped out and built exclusively for the BSV ecosystem uh, by launching RelayX, the Bitcoin wallet. What is the draw to the BSV protocol for you as someone who has been watching the space develop for a number of years and uh, chosen to gravitate to this system and build on it? Yeah, it's the same draw that I've always had. You know, if you take yourself back to 2013, um, there was very few other coins at the time. So the narrative among the consensus really was that Bitcoin was the one chain for everything. And people were talking about color coins for different token systems. People were talking about um, various things that you could do with Bitcoin, like uh, assurance contracts, um, file sharing, everything like that. And I think now it's taken my view is seen as surprising because of the proliferation of so many different narratives, so many different chains. Um, but I've kind of stayed consistent the whole time, which is that um, for there to be actually be an efficiency gain of using the blockchain, everything's got to be on the same blockchain. Otherwise, all that efficiency gains lost. We have to switch off one chain to move to another chain and things like this. Your experience with exchanges has led you to want to work with a wallet, right? Which is what Relay X is fundamentally, correct? Well, the exchanges I always thought uh, was like a first step of Bitcoin because it's kind of like the broadband cable, this type of service for the internet. It's like, okay, we help you get onboarded to Bitcoin. But I always thought that once you had Bitcoin, there was so many more things you can do with Bitcoin. And so uh, while Bitcoin was not scaling, then there, 
kind of wasn't much else you could do. And then once the emergence of BCH came out, that's when I started thinking about uh, doing Bitcoin full-time uh, on, on my own. And then when Bitcoin Cash didn't work and the space fractured again, I thought this was the last chance I was going to have to to build things. And as for building a wallet, I think, you know, ultimately coins have to be held somewhere. Um, right now in the ecosystem, a lot of coins are held on exchanges. But when it's held on exchanges, you can't really do much with those coins because it's all actually in the custody of a, a single party. Which is not yourself. Yeah, it's not the end user, no. Um, and so by building a wallet, we can probably advance the direction of Bitcoin the furthest, as that's how I saw it, by encouraging other apps to be built on top of Bitcoin, by showing users different use cases. And that's a, that was my starting point in BSV. The idea that people should uh, basically have their coins in some kind of third-party custodial spot where they aren't necessarily interfacing with them or utilizing them within uh, the the Bitcoin economy online or whatever you want to kind of connect that to in some kind of meta space. Um, I think it's really important that people are able to see that there is actual use cases out on the ground where they're able to use these things or earn these things, which is why I think that the BSV ecosystem in general is is having such a, a, a good moment of traction because it's illustrating how these things can be put into play. Um, so to you, right, when you're out looking at the, the BSV landscape, what are some of the most interesting things that you're seeing occurring today? Well, I think the thing that hits me very, um, very much so is that there's a difference between what's interesting and what's like prototype type uh, things that you can see as some kind of demo for the future versus what is a sustainable activity that you can be doing now that can allow your company to be profitable uh, and such. So the obviously the most interesting stuff is like the really small microtransaction activities, right? Uh, you've seen that by Twitch, you've seen that by many different companies. That stuff is very interesting. But the flip side of doing a very microtransaction-based uh, business model is that you're going to have to have a lot of microtransactions a lot of very quickly. Yeah, because ultimately our human bills today, whether you buy a sandwich or pay for rent or rent a car, uh, these are not happening in micropayments, right? So you almost like in a financial term have a mismatch of flows. You have income as a business builder in BSV, in microtransactions, which might be you have 100 customers in total pay you $1 each day versus your expenses as a team is happening in chunks, right? And so you have to find a very strong balance as an entrepreneur um, of what you start with first. So I think the most pragmatic uh, business models are things that you could spend as little as a tenth of a cent, but you could also spend as much as $10. It just depends on what you're doing on the platform. So those are the platforms that I think are more interesting. I'll give you a good example, which is, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, but Peer Game is is a, a kind of a gaming app. Mm. Uh, you, you can do lotto tickets. You can do different things. So it uses Bitcoin to provably, you know, refund people who, you know, didn't, didn't win uh, or uh, whatever. It has a lot of mechanics of using the blockchain to write data, to, to show the odds and things like this. 
uh, and provably fair. But if somebody really wanted to play the game uh, at extreme amount, they can pay upwards of $30 in one sitting uh, playing the slots, essentially. And so that gives that company, I think they've shared uh, the data publicly. Uh, they've made something in the, this is pretty old data, but close to 1,000 BSVs in the first few months of a launch. So I think you have, as an entrepreneur, to think about that also. Absolutely. So let's talk about what you're doing uh, with RelayX and Float SV in combination to give a bridge, right? And add to the velocity between fiat and BSV and other tokens that can be traded on float. How do you see that within uh, context of crypto or just Bitcoin and specifically? Yeah, for the listener who's not aware, float was actually not part of our company plans in a very explicit form. Um, it was always a backup plan in case BSV was delisted. It kind of hit us and everyone in BSV uh, pretty quickly, uh, where we had launched Relay for all of two weeks. Um, and I remember being with our team in South Korea on kind of a retreat as we both sprinted to get Relay out and kind of had some you know, team building time. And that day, or two days after we had returned from Korea, Binance decided to delist BSV. And not just Binance, but a huge wave of right. support other exchanges like Kraken, uh, Bistamp committed to never listing it, and a bunch of other exchanges were, were all aligned. Shapeshift, I believe, also. And so we uh, put up a flow in partnership with OKX within 48 hours of that delisting. And so for the past year, it's done a great job of serving as a an exchange of last resort. Thankfully, many other exchanges came to their senses, OKX, Huobi, um, Bittrex, and Poloniex. They maintained uh, BSV support. So Flow today is still a very small exchange. It's got um, a few thousand traders, uh, but it, it's won a lot of trust among the Bitcoin community. And for us to kind of take Float to the next level, we'd have to really rebuild it entirely on chain, on BSV, that we can fully support it and not have the technical uh, structure be tied to like a more traditional exchange like like OKDEX. Right. Do you plan on doing that? If resources allow, yeah. Um, yeah, it'd be very cool. It's a little bit more resource intensive. There, there's a few layers of the Bitcoin uh, infrastructure that's not quite ready mm. uh, for that. And so... Maybe in the coming year or two, we'd have to see a lot more other assets uh, begin to, like real significant assets. And this is, again, this is what I'm saying earlier. It's, you, can, you can all pretend to issue tokens and have these tokens to say, hey, this token represents a picture. That token represents this cute toy or something. But until you have uh, real significant monetary uh, tokens, then there's not much for an exchange to make money off of. Right. All right, so the Relay One payment button is beginning to be integrated with a handful of different apps across the ecosystem. We see it now on Twitch. Uh, how is that rollout going? What are you hearing from users in comparison to other uh, services that are providing payment rails to apps such as Money Button and Hand Cash? What is how are you guys fitting in? Because originally last year we had talked about getting you in to talk about the wallet specifically when I was interviewing some of the other guys didn't pan out then, but we can drill down into that a little bit today. 
you know, how is that rollout going and what are you hearing from people that have integrated it into their apps? What do they like and how does it see itself in comparison? And thanks, thanks for that. I think Money Button is by far still the leader in, in this area. They were the pioneers. They started in this uh, area two years ago. But at that time, it wasn't even pitched as sort of four apps. So I think what Ryan often said was, one day the New York Times would also have a website, and instead of the paywall for the New York Times, you would swipe your money button and you would get to read the article. Because, you know, originally Money Button had been uh, conceived after Ryan uh, had built uh, yours.org, which was kind of like a content uh, platform. Right, blog. I think, exactly. Uh, it's evolved to the point in the last year, maybe to everyone's surprise, where apps are now heavily using these kind of wallets to function entirely. Uh, and Twitch is the best example. So I think uh, app developers, up to this point, their default choice has been to add money button first. Then if there's some kind of traction for the app, quickly integrate Relay. Uh, from my knowledge, and it could just be people tooting my horn, uh, people are starting to now add both uh, on day one. And for certain use cases, people have come to me and said, they would prefer to add Relay first, but we have to make our wallet a lot better in the meantime. So every app uh, has a different need. So Money Button is very dominant on the web. Um, and the Relay X app is the first uh, native app. So if you're an app that is like a Baymail, which as you, is like an email sending back and forth on chain, it's very important to for the user receiving a Baymail to get a push notification uh, on their phone whenever they receive an email. Otherwise, what's the point of paying additional money to send an email just to make sure it gets read when it cannot be get when it cannot be read? Mm-hmm. Um, we also built an app called Dimely, uh, which is a phone calling app over Bitcoin where you're allowed to pay an extra amount or charge people to take phone calls. Again, that's very important to be connected to a mobile phone natively so that you can receive the phone call and get a ring on your phone. So for a number of reasons, these are things that uh, Relay is starting to win out in terms of app uh, development. And then I think Handcash has suggested they will be releasing uh, its own app ecosystem, but we so far it has not been launched. So mm-hmm. these are the two options today. So you're seeing it as a bridge really kind of between the web apps and mobile apps. Yeah, so Trying to uh, both. We, we want to be platform agnostic. So we Relay will be there for app developers on, on whatever platform. You know, one day you can imagine Relay will be building for VR, Relay will be building for blockchain, native phones, and things like this. Um, Very cool. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your recent acquisition, right, which is Stramanity. This started out as a hand cache connect app or something like that i'm not, I'm not exactly clear on the history yep. which i don't think is so important as um you know the experience there uh is fairly good for you know what would be maybe an, an alpha or a beta um platform currently trying to generate a social network around video and payment for video what do you like there and what don't you like there, you know, on day one of that acquisition, um, you know, just roughly? Yeah, this acquisition came together pretty quickly. It was really as part of integrating the Relay wallet into Streamanity that uh, during that time, we found out that the founders had come into a bit of a 
a standstill in terms of where to take the platform. And it is one of the earlier startups. This existed, Streamatic existed back in the days of the BCH. Uh, and as you said, it was built on top of the hand cash at that time, cash port uh, wallet integration. But they discontinued that, which kind of gave the platform a setback. So, you know, when you are a startup, if you think about when YouTube came into the forefront, it did not come to the market in the 1990s. Uh, they came at the right time where the install base for PCs were, were at a high level. Uh, internet connectivity was at a reliable and level. Um, so maybe, you know, the biggest fault for Streamanity was that it came too early. And, uh, you know, you get a lot of applause for the fact that, oh, hey, Streamanity, it looks just like YouTube. It works pretty well, maybe nearly as well as YouTube, and in some ways better than YouTube. So therefore, it must be a successful company. But, um, you know, ultimately, Facebook did not beat MySpace because it looks kind of like MySpace and works just as well as MySpace. Um, you have to bring something different to the market. And the unique selling point for a lot of the companies up to this point uh, in the infancy of Bitcoin is to say, well, our unique selling point is that we have Bitcoin. And we thought of a way to let people tip, let people pay for videos, etc., I think that's nice. That's nice for an enthusiast audience, which, you know, as a brand, what I like about what they built is they have a pretty enthusiastic following. Uh, they The videos, even though there's not that many, there's about 4,000 videos on Streamanity, are very high concentration in terms of Bitcoin content. There's interviews with Craig Wright. There's interviews with uh, a whole bunch of people in this space. And so that's kind of an enthusiastic crowd. I think, you know, maybe for the fact that we did not spend the last two years doing this video thing, we have a little bit more juice. And so we are excited about what else we can do. And, um, you know, given that this is an acquisition where I'm not technically the founder, like it's not like my baby. So I can maybe see from like a third person's perspective on some of the things that maybe should be tried with humanity. And so I'm going to be pretty unafraid to come in there and change things up. There are a few uh, sacred cows in Stramanity is what you're saying right now. Yeah. And and it's one of those things where I wasn't expecting to be able to acquire the company. Uh, the acquisition price was, you know, we're not going to disclose it, but sure. it's something where it's worth it for us to, to try and play around. And I think the ecosystem has come around and rallied around that idea because, you know, everyone in Bitcoin is very aligned uh, in terms of wanting to see it succeed. So now that we acquired them, and quite frankly, if anyone had acquired this humanity, I think you would see the same kind of revibrance of, of energy. But we have seen examples where Twitch has added Streamanity links into the feed. So now you can imagine people discovering Streamanity videos from Twitch. We're going to expand on that. Hopefully, any third-party website can add Streamanity embedded videos. Uh, that's one thing. Embedding. And then I think uh, we just need to differentiate from YouTube a lot. The idea that you can take a very uh, popular YouTube star and tell them about Streamanity or any video platform and tell them to migrate. I just don't think that's a viable uh, business strategy. So going forward, what do you think is going to be the correct strategy or feature integration that is going to click for uh, the, the platform? Well, I think you need a very, very long runway, first of all. So I'm not going to pretend that the next two things I, you know, we think of and we add to Streamanity is just going to make it go viral. 
Sure. Um, it, it probably is not the case. And so we we sit in a position where we control at least one of the wallets, right, in this space. So we have some kind of understanding of what's to come and what wallet features will build that can make Streamanity work a little bit better. So Streamanity is a video platform. They previously had to also manage their own wallet after they were delisted by uh, Handcash. Now they're part of Relay. We're adding money button to it as well. And we'll be glad to re-add Handcash to it when, when it's ready. Um, but we also understand that, you know, there's a lot of limitations. For example, there are people who want Streamanity videos to be on the blockchain, but that's extremely expensive. We right. can give the users an option to do that. But, you know, maybe for George Floyd's video, you want to make sure that's on the chain forever as a, as a never to be forgotten, right? But there's a lot of day-to-day videos that you don't want want to spend hundreds of dollars to put on the on the, on the blockchain. I think that's a really so, critical uh, point to make. Yeah. Uh, you mean the fact that the, the ability to put it on the blockchain was the fact that it's very expensive? The uh, Both of those things. And then uh, thirdly, the idea that you should have options as a user, as a content creator, to choose whether or not you want to say, I would like this locked into the chain. Or, you know what, this is just kind of, uh, this is a little more ephemeral and I'm not too concerned if this has total object permanence within the digital Bitcoin ecosystem and uh, blockchain forever. Yeah, Yeah, agree with that. So um, those are things that basically we are probably the most open company in Bitcoin in terms of the way we build things, where we share ideas. Uh, I'm telling you right now some of the ideas we have for streamality. So we're very, very open in that sense. So we're definitely going to give a lot of choice to the user. Um, So we're going to let the user choose a store or not on the blockchain. We already, uh, you know, when our first moves in the first 24 hours, let users uh, set their videos to be free. So before, mm-hmm. Streamatic had a business model where every single video must be monetized. So if you were a user and you came onto the Streamatic platform before we acquired it, unless you paid something in Bitcoin, you could not watch any video in their entirety. Yeah, there was a, yeah right. There was like a, a basically like a time wall to it. You would get 10 seconds Correct. or 30 seconds or something like that. Correct. Uh, but if you look at the New York Times, even the, them as an outdated company, they let you read like 10 articles for free right. per month or per quarter. And so, that's a fairly good model, I think. Fairly good model. Um, and then, you know, you you want to do that. So what we want to do is we just took over the platform and there's a lot of things that we need to uh, do to maintain it, fix it. There's a lot of custom support tickets uh, that's been passed over to us that we have to handle. Um, and so we just want to make sure the platform is stable, uh, fix up a few little things. And I do think longer term, there has to be a much bigger change to the streamlining business model. A lot of people have asked us, are you going to change the name? They don't like the name. And I really don't want to focus on that. I think the name right. is fine. I think, yeah, I think the, the name is I good too. Kind of fine. Right? Yeah. It's, it's basically describing what you have there. Um, you know, in terms of branding, I think that there are a handful of improvements that can be made. But in terms of changing the actual brand identity by by name, uh, you know, why? <laughs> you know, you exactly you have, uh, with your community, you already have um, buy in around that name. And as far as like people that don't know it, what 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 difference would there be? Exactly, exactly. So our thought process is we have to believe that there's videos that don't exist yet in the world that could exist if they could be paid for 
Right. Um, I think this is the, the this is the success behind various uh, video platforms uh, today, and not not in Bitcoin. So TikTok, right? They made it so that they said if it was much easier to shoot these kind of dancing music type 15 second clips by letting people choose different filters, choose different tracks, choose different things, then would we start seeing LeBron James and Justin Bieber do 15 second dances? The answer ended up being yes, right? Uh, On the YouTube uh, template, the answer was no, because on YouTube... Uh, they prefer longer videos. They preferred um, a different type of uh, content. It was purely user right. created. There was no uh, templates for you to make. And it's a more YouTube. cumbersome creation process. There is correct, well. correct, because YouTube probably don't want you to make all these videos, right? Um, and then the other, the other video that we saw platform that kind of took off uh, was. Uh, the, the the more educational type, the teachables type. Uh, these are people who teach courses and get paying audience. Uh, Patreon does a little bit of this too, cooking mm-hmm. classes like this. Nobody did that on YouTube. Very few people, right? Um, there are platforms that there so that you can subscribe and pay for them. So the idea has to be, um, it's not about migrating, oh, let's just go message a bunch of YouTubers and say, hey, come check out Shumani. This is really cool. Or, or Relay's done a great job with this. That's not the business model, right? Um, and you can't lie to people like, hey, if you just come on to Shumani, you'll make Bitcoins. The truth is you probably won't make Bitcoins, right? So I'll, I'll, I've shared these numbers before. I'm happy to share on this podcast. But in aggregate, over two years of Shumani's existence, uh, $7,000 were spent on streamality platform wide, whether it was tipping, paying for videos, um, or whatever else. And that was over two years. So that means 700 days, call it 700 days, $10 per day of spending on the platform. So you, you can't tell someone, Hey, if you just join streamality and put some videos up there, you're gonna make a significant amount of money. So, right. Um, that would, has to be changed. I would make that, com- I would compare that to, um, you know, if you're a musician and you get your things loaded up to Spotify, you know, you're going to get some plays, but it's going to be very, very low uh, royalties for that compared to, uh, you know, your Taylor Swift's and everyone else who is very established within the industry. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And that and that kind so, of carries over to the platforms in general as well, I think, which is kind of what you're talking about here. Uh, in terms of Stromanity grabbing mind share of the video watching community, right? There's maybe uh, a lot more room to grow within that as you find the right fit. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then we have to also think about sustainability. I mean, it's not, it sounds fun to make all the videos free, but you know, YouTube spends a whole bunch of money uh, hosting these videos and right. loading these video users. Um, so those are the things that Bitcoin can play into as well. You can imagine um, these videos having some kind of expiry date uh, and then either the fans or viewers or the artists themselves uh, have to pay a little bit uh, of Bitcoin, a swipe, if you will, in order for the video to stay on the platform and accessible. So that way you can kind of reach break even with this limited uh, number of videos on your on your platform and which will buy us more time to uh to do it and I, I and i think the reason i'm optimistic is because we have essentially now an ecosystem of companies 
that we have built or in this case of Shimani acquired, we don't need one particular of the companies to uh, feed us right now, right? So we can be a lot more patient and see this through uh, until the space is a lot bigger and give us more shots to kind of find the right formula. I like it. Are there any things that you don't see occurring within the BSV space uh, that you would like to see developers uh, creating and adding into the ecosystem? I selfishly, as an end user, because I'm both an ambassador builder and an end user, would love to see more developers make apps that are very transparent to the user in terms of what it actually does and how to use it. And a lot of developers, you know, what they I've worked with many of them, they come to this space and they say, oh, the infrastructure is not ready. We have to rebuild the uh, database. We have to rebuild the way transactions are broadcast. We have to rebuild this. Otherwise, it'll never scale. I think, you know, it's just like the city doesn't go fix the bridge until the bridge is cracking. Uh, and then you have to go emergency fix the bridge, no matter how many people yell about it. One of the best ways to scale Bitcoin is not through these scaling Bitcoin tests, is actually to launch something crazy, let it go viral, let it kind of almost break Bitcoin, and then people will come in and there'll be money there to scale Bitcoin, to make Bitcoin infrastructure better. Too many developers, in my my opinion, uh, are spending a lot of time building their own transaction protocol, every single protocol, and, um, you know, it's... And thinking that... By building a great foundation, suddenly something's going to go viral. It might, but it'd be it'd be better if I think if we took this time right now to try all kinds of uh, different businesses on top of Bitcoin. So I would love to see a lot more experimentation. And I think that the the analog to that is Crypto Kitties on Ethereum. Yes, there would be no Ethereum 2.0 talk if there was no Crypto Kitties. Well, Jack, thanks for joining me today. I think we had a great conversation. I think that um, we've addressed a, a slew of issues within BSV, kind of touching on uh, wallets and trading, uh, app development, obviously the new Stramanity acquisition, and I appreciate you giving me the time to talk today. Thanks a lot for having me on, Michael, anytime.